I knew I didn't wear my Santa hat for Evane. For no reason. Uh, Alright, oh, this is too open. Hey, hello and welcome to another episode of the Southside Tribe Podcast. The podcast to stay outside with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra. Giggling a little bit in the beginning of this intro because we are absolutely going to talk about something not Chicago Red Stars related. We are going to get our holiday on, y'all. Yeah. Uh, I'm joined tonight by my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. Scam Originator. How are you doing, Claire? I'm good. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for this one. <laughs> I, uh... I am so excited for this episode. Uh, you know, we've been mixing it up for you guys a little bit lately in the in the month of December. Uh, it's off season, right? So where there's been news, we've discussed some of those things. Where there have been some relevant soccer-related games, we've discussed some of those things. And we wanted to, in between, maybe mix it up with the holidays. We hit you guys up with some, some Thanksgiving vibes. And uh, we decided for this particular episode, we wanted to do some Christmasing of our own as friends. And we decided to watch a Christmas movie. And we wanted to talk about that with each other on this podcast and by extension with everyone else. So this episode is going to be the happiest season review episode between, you know, Clarence Andrew on Southside Trap Pod. Review and, and, and discussion. Discussion review. It's got a really big discussion. We took notes. Know. Both of us took notes. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm stoked. So we took I, a bit of seriously. We did. Uh, yeah. I took like more like reactive notes. You did a lot of great uh, legwork and, like, getting, and getting the research for us. Yeah, it helped make my notes make more sense to me. Really, <laughs> so I appreciated that a hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I did. So I, uh, well, I was thinking about it. I, I've, I've been thinking about this movie once we decided that we were going to do this because we neither of us had seen it yet. And so I wanted to start, I wanted to actually start with that before we get into the film itself, because I wanted to ask Sandra, and I'll answer this too. Sandra, why do you think that it took you this long to want to watch this movie? <laughs> okay, a number of reasons. Num- number one... I, I'm gonna, well, let me not, they're not in any particular order, but I'll just throw them out there. Sure. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons is time is, is a contract, it's fake, it doesn't make any sense. Sure. Uh, this movie has, has been out on Hulu for some time now, uh, at least three weeks, right? Um, and there has just like not been the time. And also when I get into like my holiday viewing, I'm not going to front. I really throw it back to my staples and I really enjoy watching like my holiday staples. Uh, Also uh, having seen the trailer, I I did see the trailer. Like, and I, that's something that I did enjoy. I liked uh, seeing all of the, the hype leading up to it. Uh, But watching the trailer, I literally told myself, Oh, this can wait. Right. So, so my thought, and I, I agree with the things that you said first, right? Been busy. You've been very busy. Um, obviously, everyone has their holiday faves. There's not room always for new stuff in there. But the thought that I had, which is, it's, I just feel like um, it is not necessarily a total coincidence that you and I had not seen this yet. Because I would say that one of the things that we have in common or even perhaps even a cornerstone of our friendship is that 
you and I have a limited, a limited uh, capability to handle nonsense. <laughs> and upon seeing the trailer for this movie, I thought to myself, yeah. oh, this is going to be a whole lot of nonsense in this movie. And I need to wait until I have the energy for it. It can wait. It can, it can wait. wait. <laughs> It can absolutely wait. And you know what? I know you saw it because like you and I were like semi engaging with it. Like right. people were hyped about it. Right. They're like, Oh my God, it's going to be, it's like a, it's a queer holiday rom-com. Like, yes, it's what we deserve. Right. I saw a lot of that on the TL. Um, and so when it dropped, like people were watching it immediately and you know, within the women's soccer construct, like we saw people like engaging with it in, in, in dialogue about that. Um, and I was also very happy that, and this is so funny to think about because it's a holiday, it's, it's presented as a holiday rom-com. So you're like, really how spoilery can you get? Like, you know what it's probably about if it's a holiday rom-com, but I do appreciate all of the ways in which everybody was engaging in dialogue about it. Everybody was very chill. There were no like really specific spoilery things that I really found myself exposed to, but I did enjoy receiving all of that and one of my initial like twitter takes after seeing all of that was something along the lines and i i, I should have probably had my tweet up ready to go for this moment but like i pair like just a paraphrase that i said something along the lines of like so what i'm getting from happiest season is that like the real hero of the story is is a puerto rican queer woman who is like assured of herself and like really deserves all of the nice things and everyone was like yes correct yeah i definitely have things to say about that we'll wait until we get in into it um but right and then i think i responded to you and i was like it seems like everybody liked it but nobody liked happy. what happened nobody was happy about it right. nobody was happy about it as they seemed so yeah. um yeah, I uh, I guess we can just start to start getting into this. I, I do yeah. want to maybe open this with like some of your own really good legwork on this. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. As we get into this, I guess I will just say now, now is the point of this episode that if you haven't picked up on it yet, if you're also like Claire and I and have not seen this movie, the remainder of this episode is absolutely 100% going to be filled entirely with spoilers we will yeah. be spoiling the entire movie yes so yes. uh please feel free to hit that pause button and come back and join us when you're ready if not enjoy the ride claire give us some uh backstory on this real quick okay so like this was the stuff i was thinking about before i even watched it like this is this was like a plan that we had had for like a little bit of a week and then we kind of solidified it earlier this week and um when i was like going on my daily walk around the neighborhood i was just like kind of like thinking about it and so this movie was was directed by clea duvall um and and i think that that is the place to really start with this in terms of of really discussing it and kind of why it is the way that it is because she is someone that um has has written work right she she's she's written films she, this is her second um, movie that she's directed. She directed a movie called The Intervention a couple years ago, which I actually have also seen. Um, and I was just thinking about, and this was me projecting. I was kind of anticipating some things were not going to like hit for me in this movie. And I was thinking about the concept a little bit of, um, and, and Sandra nailed it. I didn't, I don't think I said this. I don't think I said this in my notes, but she nailed it. It's, it's very um, Gen X in a way, despite the fact that this movie is full of millennials. So um there, there is something about a particular white 
gay uh, woman creator. And it was reminding me actually of, of some, some stuff that like I felt even in terms of like musicians that I like, um, musicians like um, St. Vincent or like Tegan and Sarah, where there is a point sometimes with those careers where you can feel those people kind of pushing away from universal experiences. And you're thinking like, what is it exactly that is no longer necessarily clicking for me? And it's hard to tell sometimes if it's because they're older than me or if it's because they are more financially stable than I am. There is sometimes work that's like predicated on financial comfort. Um, and so even if you talk about music, things that people are interested in when they have the ability to write full-time, they're full-time musicians or or even just the emotions that they're no longer interested in discussing or, or mining in their work. And so um, I was just thinking about that in terms of Clea Duvall. And then I was also thinking about um, the, the other creator that kind of came to mind was, was Liz Feldman, who um, is someone that she, I'm like really just going on a tangent here, but this was just like all going around in my brain before we watched this, because she made um dead to me which is a show that is great really really good on netflix two seasons fabulous show but she also has the capability to make shows there was a show called one big happy um on uh on cbs i think and that show was awful and 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 so i just think that and that one was the closest to her personal experience so it's like it's um it's interesting, you know, obviously you can't pigeonhole all these things, but obviously this is kind of like where my brain went a little bit um, because I was kind of anticipating some of these things in this movie to just really not, um, but they don't, they don't have to, but just to not really kind of like, and I, so anyway, I was just thinking about that level of creator and, and wondering a little bit, like, what is it there? It's probably a mixture of all of those things. Um, but then the other thing too, is that the movie was co-written by uh, Mary Holland, who I'm also familiar with. She um, is in a improv group um, called Wild Horses. And I don't know this for sure, but if I had to guess, um, her connection to Clea Duvall would be um, that another person in that group is, um, oh gosh, what's her name? Stephanie Allen, who is married to Tig Notaro, who is friends with Cleo Duvall. So, so that's kind of the connection there. And Mary Holland is very funny. Um, another person from Wild Horses in this movie is Lauren Lapkus, who plays the one of the mall security guards. Um, <laughs> she goes in and that's really funny. And, and so you can see a little bit, maybe like the melding of the minds where you have kind of the romantic side and then the comedy side. Yes. And it's up to the viewer perhaps to decide how well that melded. <laughs> yeah. Together, yeah. You know? No, 100%. And I, I, needed, I, I needed you to hit the community with this buildup and like getting into the people, the creators who were responsible for bringing this to life, really. Right. Um, because there are moments throughout my notes, which I had stated to you were very, um, reactive. Like my, my note taking for this movie was literally just, I had a notes app open and I just started <laughs> typing a reaction whenever I took in something. Um, and it made so much more sense with some of my reactions within my notes. Uh, now that I sort of really understood like where the creative aspects were coming from, because I felt that watching the entire movie and I was like, man, this is truly a Gen X, like Generation X story telling. Yeah. And it, it felt peculiar. I'm not going to say it was good or bad. It just felt peculiar for me because uh, 
yeah, it's easy to sit here and be like, that wasn't relatable for me as someone who's not a Gen Xer. But at the same time, I just kind of was like, uh, this was also presented as like a, a holiday rom-com. So I'm like, I didn't think that maybe in this movie I had to go looking for the jokes, right. but I ended up having to look for the jokes. Uh, so I thought it was a, it was certainly something, but I was still excited to, to get into and sit down and watch this movie because on the very basic surface level of things, right. Um, there it's easy to generate excitement around something like this if you are somebody who sits within the lgbtq plus community right absolutely so much of the conversation about um you know quote-unquote normalcy and like representation and things like that um it's nice to have things to point to and be like oh well there's like a thing um and then there's other people like i I can only speak for myself like so maybe for someone like me who like view something like this and and can understand that and appreciate that and get that but like still also want more and like want to be better um my whole thing with having things like this that help maybe help people feel more normal whatever that it may mean to them I do feel is important um but I also am always looking ways to improve that so like I also want to preface like as we start talking about like parts of the movie that I did watch another Christmas movie prior to this one I did watch a New York Christmas wedding which was recommended to me by a mutual podcasting friend shout out to Shayna of Bad uh, Bad Christmas Podcast and uh I (laughs) Someone else would probably watch that movie and be like, that movie was trash. And I'm not here to say that it's not trash. I'm just here to say that it was trash that I felt less bad about watching than I did in the happiest season. I think also too, maybe this is good because that's really, that's a very good perspective. And then maybe my other thought that I had on the other side of this is in terms of not wanting too much from this, right? Um, Was I kept comparing it to... uh, the other Hulu movie that came out, the other romantic comedy that Hulu put out, um, it's called Palm Springs, I think, with okay. Andy Sandberg. Um, and yeah. so, like, I did always try to, like, balance. I was, like, anytime I got frustrated with a character in this movie, I was, like, yeah, Andy Sandberg really shouldn't have dragged that lady into a cave either, but I wasn't <laughs> quite so upset about that, you know? Yeah. And so it's, but like, just balance, right? Perspective. Perspective is good. Um, yes. So shall we jump in? We should film? jump in. Okay. Let's start with our because that's really what happens in this movie. It's Kristen Stewart, right? Yes. Talking idiot. What do you what do you think? What yeah, okay, so I want to ask you this too. Kristen Stewart, thoughts? <laughs> uh you know what? I am happy that Kristen Stewart got to co-star, got to lead, got to co-star lead in a movie like this. I'm very happy for her that she got this experience. I agree. I I think that she definitely deserves it as a person who has had a very public journey um, and seems like very cool with with herself at at this point. I will say um, that Kristen Stewart as a lead in a film like this one, uh, I am not necessarily like... She reminds me of Timothy Chalamet's character from Lady Bird. Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm just saying that, like, Kristen Stewart, like, speaks sometimes, and I can hear her being like, 
and I haven't lied in a year or like be like, you know, you tell her that you don't have a cell phone and she'll be like, that's hella tight. Um, you know, like, and it's not, it just is what it is. Um, you know, she'll also make out with you at a house party, right? Like there are good things. There are good things to that kind of a person. So, um, yeah, I, sometimes I, I struggle with the Kristen Stewart of it all. However, I do like that tall Canadian. I think she's great. Um, I like, I like the catch fire. I like, I like, I like the casting. I will say that I enjoyed, I enjoyed the cast. It's a, it's a very Caucasian cast. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Alison Brie did the job that was handed to her as did Kristen Stewart. And they did, they did fine. Like it was fine. Yeah. Um, my notes, I say, I say, what do I say? Alison Brie, a giant bitch in this movie true allyship <laughs> yes like she had to take that on yeah she had to take that on yeah. you know I mean? someone had to be that bitch and she was like it will be i it will be me yeah so uh it was good i i uh, immediately off the jump in the start of this movie so a thing that i look for in my trashy holiday rom-coms is i need to know where i'm at i need to know where i'm at there's a reason why, oh, well, there's multiple reasons why I will die on the hill that Chicago is the greatest A city in the world and B Christmas city in the world. But that's also because I really love Christmas movies that feature Chicago. I also really love Christmas movies that feature New York. I also really love goofy holiday rom-coms that are in other places that tell me that they are in other places. And it took a while for me to realize where the hell we were in this Christmas holiday rom-com. And I was like, mm, needed more of that for me. And it's because it opens, it op this movie opens with like the two girlfriends who are very clearly committed. I loved the opening like credits there. I thought that was fun. It did a lot of quick storytelling for us. It's very storyboard-esque, right? Uh, of their relationship, the two of them meet about a year ago uh in true lesbian form they end up moving in together about six to eight months into their relationship and this is all like it's just, it's animated it's like an animated storyboard intro and then it's like boom you're in the movie and they're back to christmas again like a year later because they met at a holiday party according to these little animated storyboards and uh they're taking like a, a christmas walk together and i wish i would have known <laughs> where or why that was important but apparently it was a big thing in wherever place the pittsburgh i found out like 25 minutes later in the movie um but it was like setting that up like oh it's christmas time in this place and it's a big deal they were like literally on a it was a walking tour it was a walking tour that they were on a holiday walking tour and like um uh, harper tall canadian tc TC. So Harper is talking to Abby, Chrissy uh, Stewart, about Christmas and how much it rules and how much she loves it. And like Kristen Stewart is, is being very good about like kind of being like a uh, like a mopey, but like I love my girlfriend who loves Christmas vibe. And um, they like kind of veer off this holiday walking tour. And my my immediate note in this is that Harper drags Abby onto a roof and they somehow don't get shot because they're white. <laughs> there are a lot of things that happen in this movie that they get, that people get away with because they are white. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. 
what's happening? Yes. Are they just, did they just climb the roof of somebody else's home? Okay, so the beginning of this movie, um, they're on this walking, right. And so it's like, I, I took it as just like generic East Coast. I, I was like, this is, it's cold, it's cold, but it's not and whatever. But um, so the first thing, and I, I don't know this for sure, but like my guess about this movie is that they had a decent budget, not only in the locations because they had like quite a few like the house that they were in was really nice they have like there's a banquet hall like they went on like they did locations um michelle buteau is in this movie for like two seconds um as the guide of this walking tour and she's someone who like i'm familiar with she's a stand-up comic she's really funny um she's the host of the circle on netflix um and so i'm like oh is she going to be in this more? And the answer was no. And then I'm like, oh, so they have like that kind of money just to like have people in the movie. Um, I noticed that Kristen Stewart was wearing sambas on this <laughs> walking tour. Um, and then yes, they end up on a roof. And and this is again where you're watching something and you're like, okay. And then suddenly there's a moment of slapstick comedy of Kristen Stewart hanging off of a building and you're just like how did we get here and where is this going um would like to say some foreshadowing in that uh tall Canadian dips and <laughs> leaves Kristen Stewart to fall off the building but it's okay she's fine Amazing. you know what 100% correct I did not even realize in that moment that was foreshadowing but you're absolutely right it totally is foreshadowing um they fall off, they, they cause a commotion. So obviously that alerts the homeowners, right? Yeah. They're like, get out of here. Yeah. The two yes, you know, and it's very simple and they're able to run away. And I'm still left there like, how did nobody get shot? And I was like, oh, that's right. And then at some point they, they like run away, right? They run away hand in hand in love with each other. Right. And I, in my note taking, I refer to this as a moment of privilege uh, that, that Harper, high on the adrenaline of privilege, asks Abby to her family Christmas. She's like, oh my God, like, I know you think Christmas is trash. Like, you should come with me. And like, Abby, Kristen Stewart is like, mm, I don't know. And uh, then they like make out. That was a really good Kristen Stewart impression, by the way. Thank you. I'm just letting people know that, you know, I can audition. She's available. <laughs> um, so, like, the next morning, like, having slept on it, like, you know, Abby knows, like, we're just high on privilege right now. We need to sleep it off. And so they wake up the next morning or something else happens, but I'm just sticking with them. I think this also, like, in between this is, like, the introduction of her best friend, Abby's best friend, Danny Levy and John. Yes. They also, like, there's the introduction of him. He was a nice part of this movie as well. He was sort of, like, the kind of like not the moral compass but like the logical friend for for abby um and then like she makes breakfast and abby christy stewart's like we should do this like let's go and harper having slept it off like abby slept it off is like whole oh, uh nah that's not it's not necessary and then like poor poor abby is like not picking up on these cues and it, I, it, it, it right here is where I'm already feeling sad. I'm like, this makes me feel bad. It starts to make you feel really sad. And this is maybe the, the start of a theme, too, where there are a lot of people in this movie who are really nice, and they just get shit on for the whole movie. Um, Kristen Stewart's really nice in this movie. She's just, like, doing a very good job of portraying a really nice person. 
Um, Dan Levy is really nice in this movie. He's really nice. Um, I do briefly want to talk about uh, Kristen Stewart's hair. If oh, we yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that was very special to me um, because there's the scene where she's walking down the street with Dan Levy talking about the, she wants to, she wants to marry, she wants to marry Harper. Hooray. Um, and she's got, she, she clearly has an undercut that she is kind of growing out. It's like a little bit of a long shaggy undercut. And she also has two barrettes on the part side of the haircut. So the side that her part is on, she also has two barrettes on the side of her head. And I was like, that is uh, undercut grow out solidarity. Yeah. I want to highlight that. And I felt seen because it's relatable. I've it's relatable. It's like I've been there, and you're just like I no longer want this part of my head to be shaved, but I wish it would go away. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so you take the clips and you clip the hair. You make it go away. You make it go away. And so I thought I said, you know what? If this is the only reason why this movie exists, I I've never seen something quite like that where I felt related to my life so much yeah i you know what respect to uh to kristen stewart for pulling that off she looked good she looked in good. contrast what they did to that poor tall canadian in terms of a wig i thought was very rude that was a lot of bangs it was a lot of bangs and it felt like the hair color changed sometimes it was like red and brown later i thought mary steenburgen's wig was fine it was wiggy but it was fine but I, I felt like if you're going to have a character that is emotionally in a vulnerable place in that the the peop the audience might not be on her side, putting that kind of a wig on her is like setting her up to fail immediately. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, man, I keep thinking about those bangs now, man. Oh man. It was a lot. The bangs the bangs were bad. Like, you think Kristen Stewart got poked in the eye? Those bangs? Man, you know, that's a really good question. It just really depends on I well, and this is again we talk about like the wig. I think that like sometimes it was further forward, so the bangs were longer. Well, also, it, like my thing is like Allison Brie is like so tall, so like they would be like poking down at like right. Like, no, it, it. I would. I think so. I I do want to say that I think the scene where the wig looks the best is um, uh, when they're in the bathroom when they go into the bathroom for her to apologize. I was like, for some reason, I was like, it looks fine there, but they just couldn't recapture it before yeah. or after um so anyway i just think that that uh as a choice uh i just think that again if if you really are, aren't feeling harper's energy um consider that she was working through some 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 bangs and some wigs some hair adversity you know this is, this so is, uh yeah man abby abby got sold on this trip man she got totally sold she is like in love with yeah. her like tall statuesque bang yeah. beauty right uh so much so that like when she's with her homeboy john aka dan levy like she straight out just like she didn't even buy an engagement ring like she goes to pick it up or some shit right like she walks into this jewelry store and she's like hey what's up i'm here for the thing and like the jeweler's like <laughs> yeah i got you and like comes out with like this box so like abby has been like on a path and uh, obviously her friend is like horrified and he like, again, comes in with the logic, like what, like, why would you do this? Like, you guys are perfect. Like, he's clearly the friend of both of them, right? But he belongs to Abby. 
And he's like, why, like, why are you doing this? And he starts hitting us with the lodging. And I start like feeling that, right? Because I'm like, oh my God, this is like such a Gen X, like love rom-com story. And he's like, why would you want to do this? And like the answer that Abby <laughs> gives, I just don't believe would come out of the mouth of a millennial. Yeah. Um, especially like, I'm assuming a late twenties millennial. Right. Um, that they were, that they were portraying. Uh, but she talks about like, oh, I think I want to, you know, like I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna ask her father for his blessing. Right, right. And like yeah. eat this and he's like, and John is like horrified. Right. And I'm laughing because I'm like, man, that really is like a, it's like this longing, like queer longing for like acceptance and tolerance and like validation from like that whatever parental generation. And I'm like, man, these are like super, super like Gen X vibes. And I'm like, yeah. Okay, we're doing it like we're in this movie like it's happening they're committed they're going and they're in the car like they're in the car driving and i was like horrified like this was can i just say one one thing about the car we'll get into this (laughs) i don't think it's okay to drop big news on people in a moving vehicle i think that's a power play and i think you shouldn't do it it made listeners listeners don't do that to people do not tell them big information in a car so rude so rude and honestly quite selfish quite quite selfish and right he- right here in these scenes we we see the true allyship of Alison Brie taking on that bitch persona because she does this harper they're like in a moving vehicle Mm-hmm. driving away from the place that I don't know they're driving away from to a new place that I don't know they're going to. And uh, Ab- poor Abby's, like, still very hyped. Like, you see, like, the very small, upward, like, teeniest smile of like that she has. And right. they're, like, in the vibe. And, and Harper is like, this is it. This is where I have to kill it. I've got to kill it right now. And she lays it on her partner, saying that something her partner thought was true was actually a lie and she puts a date on it like harper puts receipts on it and harper's like hey so you remember in the summer (laughs) the summer the summer do you remember in the summer uh when i went to go kick with my parents for the holiday and like i told you like i came out to them and like everything was like chill and like super dope and like it was all good and abby's like yeah yeah i remember that like joy right harper's like yeah so that's not true and i was like horrified i was horrified claire okay so i've got two things to say thing number one sometimes in this script people say things that are crazy um like it's one of those things where it's like the cliff like a facsimile or like the cliff notes i i'm really just getting into it but whatever but the one that really stuck out to me was later when they go we're meeting a big donor at the party and I'm like, those definitely are nouns, but wouldn't you say something a little bit more specific? I don't know. But um, so in the summer to me is a real just like, okay. Um, and then- <laughs> It could have been May, June, July, or August. Right. In the summer. Um, and then the other thing, and this is actually a thought that I was having when you, you were just talking, is um, I think, well, based also with what I said, which my reaction to the car scene was just like, to um to to tall canadian what's her name mackenzie something i can't remember the name of the actress but um they she said she tells her and i just wanted to be like how Mm -hmm. old are you and then 
listening to Sandra say all the stuff that she was saying, I was like, maybe this movie really would have worked if they were like 21. Oh, if they, you know what I mean? Fair. Like, Fair. like why? Cause I think that like the insecurity and the secrets and all of that sort of stuff of this movie just doesn't feel weight for early twenties. Yeah. It's something where maybe if they were like in college, if they were really young, I was like, okay, I understand. And I understand the bad behavior too. I understand the bad decisions. I understand all of that. But both of these women are like in their early thirties and I'm a little bit just like, I don't know about this. Yeah, it's it's it it, it felt like it didn't fit, right? For yeah. a second, it it and you see it like it's funny because you even see it in Abby too. She's like, wait, what? Because there's a second where like her the logical part, not the heart part. The heart part of Abby is like what right. is heartbreaking, you know. But the logical part, the brain part, she's like, I can't do this. Right. Yeah. Want to go? Like, there's the logical part, which is why you don't do this in the car. In the car. Yes, but she the logic is quickly like beat down by the heart because she's like, I love I love this woman. I have a ring in my pocket. I I, I still yeah. want to see. I'm also in a moving car. I cannot tumble down this cliff. Yeah, like yeah. there's a lot, right? So it's it's just like a lot to unpack, and it leads all the way up to the the home, and then we get introduced to the the mom. Shout out to the Tipper Caldwell. Uh, that was interesting. And then we meet my favorite character of this episode, Jane, her younger sister, Jane. Jane is the real star of this movie, fam. I'm sorry to tell y'all. Uh, and we quickly learn more of, not so much the lies, but like the super extra messy shit that Harper built upon the lies that were already expressed to her family. Yeah. By like some of their early interactions with Abby referring to her as like constantly referring to her dead parents and referring to her as an orphan and, and shit like that. And also this is another Gen X thing. Just like the key, the repeating of the roommate thing. Yes. Like, you could just say friend, friends. Okay. You say roommate once, right? You explain the context yeah. and then you just say, that's friend. my friend. Well, and then also we, we meet the Allison Brie character here too. And things get turned up to 11. And I feel like, both tall Canadian and Allison Brie behaved equally badly. <laughs> they, you know what I did say to you, like off off mic, and then <laughs> even within these notes, I thought that, like the casting was like good, like the casting's good, and the sister thing that they had going on, yeah, was captured very well. Like they did a great job tapping into this whole competitive sister thing whether it was like against each other for parental acceptance and love and also just like sheer competitiveness like against each other just for the as well um there's there's a lot there and we start to like for me for me i start to feel like i've already i'm already feeling bad in this movie but i'm also like I am also feeling bad for Harper a little bit as well because you're just kind of like, like this dynamic is not great. But what's making me feel worse is that like obviously like by extension of like this kind of not great stuff, this little bit of toxicity within your family is also like making your partner feel bad. And this is just the beginning of it because they end up going to this restaurant scene that you kind of walked us through already which was like super awkward and tense and like again looking for the jokes right like i'm looking for the jokes and like one of the funny things is like hey kristen stewart is already super short compared to tall canadian and the joke is that 
not only is there not enough room at this table for you in this big fancy restaurant, we're also going to make it funny by bringing you an even smaller, more awkward chair. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, okay. It's like everything in this movie needed to be a little bit more. Like the chair needed to be really tiny. Or this is also a recurring theme. And like people can really take this or leave this. This is just me. Yeah. I think that if you're going to be, if you're going to have the family be kind of mean, I think they needed to be meaner. I think that like you either have to go full black comedy, like these people are terrible or they have to be cool. You can't kind of go down the middle. Um, like I, I thought I kept referring back to the family stone, which is another, um, Christmas classic, which that is like a really, uh, what's a good word for it? It's a very, um, I don't know if I would call it like dark comedy, but is it's it's a prickly movie. That's what it is. The people in that movie are prickly in a way. Like Diane Keaton in that movie is not nice to Sarah Jessica Parker, and and so you get it right in a way. Also, that movie ends with the main couple breaking up and being with other people. But that's, that's you know they don't have no one has not everyone has to follow that theme. But um, I was just like it just feels kind of in the middle where I was like I, it needs a tinier we need a tinier chair yeah. Yeah. we need a meaner mom we need yes. yeah yes. yeah the family was like especially within this dynamic of this like restaurant scene yeah. where it's like this was sort of the everyone is together it's in like a big long circular table right so they're all facing each other it's not like this big long rectangle it's like a circle everyone can see each other and it's just not there for me so i'm, I'm feeling you on that 100 percent. it's like the, yeah, fa- the yeah. family was like polite centrists and right well centrists. i mean we'll get to this when we get to the end well i'm getting ahead of myself i'm like ready to jump but, in but um i'm just kind of like i i yeah it would have been better if you look because like some of the stuff that they were saying within this conversation was just like goofy yeah shit so like they invite the mom invites the the high school ex-boyfriend which also fucking weird why would you do that yeah Your daughter is like already 30 exactly yeah. it would make sense if she was 22 yeah so but, i was just like, okay so yeah. uh obviously there's like a lot of weird stuff and so like they both run to the bathroom to have a quick powwow right yeah. like hey let's let's recenter ourselves here like it's yeah. not it's so hard it's so awkward and it's so difficult because we're living these like tough gen x lives in this in the 90s in in 2020 yeah right and they reconnect and like you know harper's like oh my god but you know what's the hardest that i can't kiss you and so like they had their moment and they're like reconnected right yeah but that's also where i'm like i don't think that is the hardest part he's like rejuvenated i know such a sweetie like it's fine we could do this for like five chill and they walk out and we meet Riley, the baddest bitch on the planet. And she strolls up. She strolls up to them. Dive in. Yeah. Um, so this is the other character that I will say this was the one moment. This was the one character where I actually felt misled by the, um, by the discourse. Because people were saying, you know, Aubrey Plaza, Aubrey Plaza, Aubrey Plaza. And I was like, yes. But, like, my concept of Aubrey Plaza is, you know from Parks and Recreation mm-hmm. or just kind of her general vibe. Um, she is so nice in this oh, man. movie. 
And that was like, that's what floors you. Like she is amazing. Even when she's doing like her normal kind of deadpan thing, but she was lovely in this movie. And that's where I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. And you know what? Part of that threw me off. Like all of the niceties threw me off, which is why I had such a struggle where I was like, where the fuck are you all at? Are you in the Midwest somewhere? You're all so nice. What is going on? Like it was bothersome to me. I was like, where are you people at? You know, especially when, when, when Plaza hits us with the, Oh, going to sneak right by you. And I'm like, bitch, where are you? Where are you right now? Right. Like, what's going on? So it was like, it was there, that was frustrating for me. Like, maybe that's not frustrating for people who are watching this movie, but as a viewer of, like, holiday movies, holiday rom-com specifically, I am that goofy bitch that will watch them during the holidays. I'm used to that. Like, that's part of the setup when you're doing a holiday rom-com. It's like, this is where we're at, and this part of the location is why we're acting the way we're acting, right? So I'm just kind of like, it, it threw me off, but it was it was great. I thought her introduction was awesome. She just saunters up to them, like, yep. hey, what's up? You know, Harper with the bangs is horrified, even after a decade plus, right? Because that's how damaged Harper is, that she's still dealing with, with some of her own self-inflicted traumas uh, so many years later. Uh, but they get through, they get through their dinner, and uh, something that was funny to me when they like were setting up all of the um like the living arrangements right they had already set them up prior to this dinner so i'm going back a little bit because it's going to lead into our one of our next scenes um tipper caldwell the mom is like going through like the the sleeping arrangements and like Harper's back in her old room and like Tipper's like, okay, like Jane, like show like Harper to your room and blah. And Harper's like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Like, wasn't Abby just going to be with me? And like Tipper laughs that shit off and she's like, <laughs> oh, please. Like I would never ask two grown women to share a bed together. And I died. Like I literally paused it and died. So this is the shit I've ever heard. Like, I'm like, uh, all I did was have sleepovers growing up because, like, that's just, like, what we did. Like, what, and also, like, did you never share a bed with a cousin? Because I got, like... Right. I mean, like, that also just, like, did not speak to my experience, but... I just was like, what is going on here? So they get get back, the the restaurant vibes, um, and it's a rough night, right? It's a rough night, and they're, like, getting into bed and like Abby's like brushing her teeth and Harper's drunk and texting her and she's like hey like what are you doing and she's like I'm brushing my teeth ho like what so she sends her a th- Harper like sends her a thirst trap and Abby's like all right I know what this is like we're gonna be like sneaky sneaks and so like Abby tries to go on a journey in this mansion to find Harper's room in the dark And there's, again, we're looking for the jokes. And the joke here is that within all this, oops, Abby finds herself in a closet in the house. Ha, ha, ha. This is also, again, where, and I think maybe this is a good place to kind of, like, put this out there as we go from here to the rest of, of the movie, which is I don't actually mean this as a negative. I think it's really interesting that this happened, actually, that this movie that really is just like trying to be very light and very lovely and very romantic and just very classic in many ways feels very sad. Um, And so when we talked about this a little bit before we started where I was just like, man, like when there's so much of this movie where I'm just like, this is making me desperately sad. 
Um, and, and I don't know if it's because you do empathize with the two, both of the two main characters more cause they do such a nice job or, or what it is exactly. But like that, that right is it's supposed to be kind of like light and funny. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. it really seems like this is something that Harper is into. And Abby yeah. has said multiple times that like, yeah. this isn't her thing. Yeah. And it leads to, like, another terrible moment. Yeah, just, like, Abby humiliation makes, in front yeah, of the mom, Abby, yeah. Terrible, like, Abby makes a mess in the closet, and, of course, like, the mom is there, the, the same mom that was, like, I would right. never ask two grown women to, to shelter together, you know? And, like, so in all this, uh, like, Harper sneaks down to the room where Abby is staying, and, of course, like, they end up sleeping and spending the night together, and, like, two idiots who immediately forgot about the situation at hand, like slept through the night and are like almost caught. Like, I guess that's supposed to also be one of the jokes. Um, but again, I also feel bad and it's a little cringy for me. Um, like Abby has a big heavy container in front of the door because the lie, the lie that she told Harper's mom was that, Oh, I'm a sleepwalker. I'm so sorry. And her mom is like, why can't I open the door? She's like, Oh, I have a big heavy thing in front of it. One second. LOL. While my girlfriend puts clothes on, uh, I have to move it out of the way. Like, Oh, okay. So like, why did you move it? Abby? Oh, I just, I just didn't want to sleepwalk. Remember that lie I told you? And so like Harper is like horrified. Like we see her horrified behind the door, her niece and nephew, look at her and they're like both like be quiet like don't say anything and this is all all of this is because the mom is trying to get an old game boy for the children and it's just like a lot um and then like it's a breakfast scene and there's more like discourse right between the sisters and all of a sudden there's like a big like party that's gonna happen we find out there's a big party that's supposed to happen that like so many people like respectable people are supposed to go to and uh we uncover another lie that harper did not inform abby that she had to like participate in like a white elephant game and Kristen stewart said that she didn't know what white elephant was and then mary okay. steenburgen says oh it's a game we like to play as if she had invented it <laughs> I, I, this is again where I'm like, I really, that's something where it was, and this is the, I, this is not my fault. I can't tell if the movie knows that that's funny. <laughs> it's, it's, it, that was a funny moment. Yeah. It's like, yes. You would claim this. Right. <laughs> Your brilliant idea. Uh, yeah. So it's a, we, it's, it's an interesting scene. The kitchen scene is interesting. I found it very interesting because, uh, I feel like it's maybe a moment that, people would look over and be like, this isn't an important scene that's setting anything up. But for me, it was. I liked the white elephant note that you just mentioned about like people just claiming and taking credit for shit. Um, but we also see more discourse, right, between the two sisters. And I'm like, oh, this is another shitty lie, basically. And she's just like, oh, I forgot to tell you about it. And and Abby's like, it's, you know what, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. I'm that one buy a gift right that one just seems completely unnecessary it's like it's like they went out of their way to make harper inconsiderate like why why that you know yeah i was like yeah. wow like harper 
Africa. And I was like, man, Harper's really sucking it up over these like couple days already. And they've got like three more days to go still, you know? So like there's a mall scene that happens and it's like, it ends up being where like Chris or Abby has to go with the, the mean sister to the mall. And then like the mean sister like leaves her children with Abby. So Abby's like responsible for these two new lives that she's known for literally 48 hours and you know children did a mischievous thing and it led to like abby being accosted by like mall police and so there's like a big thing that like happens and again like within this stuff i'm like oh like these are the like these are the jokes like the jokes are supposed to be here like there's a scene with the two security mall guards and you're like oh this is like funny like these are supposed to be some of the jokes but the jokes even if you did i think even if you did laugh at that or find that funny it's followed up by another very quick scene where like the whole family is talking about abby and they're like you brought a little orphan thief to our home and it's like so shitty man yeah and it also just like doesn't make any sense because like you said at the beginning people don't accuse white people of that shit they would have <laughs> obviously been like oh it was an accident something must have must have slipped into her bag they would have been making excuses like crazy that alarm just just went off for yeah. no reason it's so dumb so it's so it's so shitty um and it leads to like a disinvitation there's a dinner there's a dinner that's supposed to happen um because there was like a donor party. I mean, we kind of brushed over the donor party a little bit. There was a donor party that happened. Yeah. Another scene with Riley where Riley's like, hey, I just want to let you know I can relate. And Abby's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Riley's just like, yeah, sure. I got to go by. Right. She was like, hey, we're wearing matching blazers. See you around. Quite literally, I will. And so like now Abby's a, a mall thief and like she got disinvited from another dumb event that really she shouldn't want to go to, but she went there for Harper. So of course she feels bad about it. So she's like left alone and Harper's like, I'm really sorry, but my father who is campaigning for government things just feels like it's best that you don't go to this thing. Cause you're a thief now. And so like Abby is like basically left by herself to like kind of fend for herself and Harper knows that's shitty. And she's like, listen, we need a break for my family. This sucks. I have to go be with my dad because that's the daughter I am. And I write for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And that means I also have to work for my father in speech writing and help him impress at this dinner that you're not allowed to go to. But if you just hang out for the next five and a half hours by yourself, I promise we can go get shit-faced with my friends at a straight bar. So Abby's like, it's cool. I love you. Because <laughs> Abby's, so, yeah. Abby's so nice. She's like, it's cool. It's fine. So she goes on a long, sad walk. She sees like a theater showing a Christmas movie. And she's sad about it. She's like, fuck. I would, like, the look on her face is like, man, I, I wish I could go watch a happy Christmas movie with my GF. Yeah, and it's a wonderful life, and it's so not a wonderful life right now. See, like, that's where she's, like, a better person than me, like, straight up, because she, like, figured out her own counter-programming for the evening. I was like, I just would have hung out in that big-ass house all night. I would have been all up in their shit, just being like, listen, my house tonight, eat all the <laughs> snacks. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know you got 
got them. Where are they at? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, where's, where's your Where's your wine cellar? I know you. Yes, have I would have ate all six of your boxes of triscuits. Yeah, four of your bottles of wine. Like, let's go. Yeah, uh, but it works out. It works out for Abby because she runs into Riley again after they had that brief exchange at the previous party. And she's like crying and in tears and Riley's like, Hmm, I'm giving you a look. Like I'm trying not to be judgmental, but I already told you that I can relate like what's going on and says all this with a face. And, uh, Abby's like, Hey, what's good. And they exchange some pleasantries again, looking for the jokes. And Aza as Riley delivers the jokes with contact stupiditis. Uh, Abby remember Instant chemistry instantaneous abby remembers that at a previous party riley talked about how much she hated being there because as someone who is getting her residency at john fucking hopkins is being accosted by people wanting to talk about medical issues and so abby makes a joke i can't stop poking my eye and it hurts what's up with that it's contact stupiditis brilliant it's a good joke it's a nice moment it's a moment that makes me not feel bad and it's a moment that's made better because Abby shares. She actually takes this moment to share because she has not been able to be her authentic self and really the entire movie. And is like, I really want some alcohol. Please help me. And like, do that with me. Like, don't let me drink it alone. And so Riley, the hero, takes her to a gay bar. They have a gay Christmas drink. And it's a fantastic scene. It's, it's fantastic. a really lovely scene. I mean, we were both talking about how like, must be santa bangs such a good song Great. i was like is this the new yeah. lesbian holiday anthem yes yes it is i i will say that um this was where and and i don't know and this i think is just you know i i really don't think that this is like a problematic representation thing i think that this is just how i'm conditioned upon watching these movies i thought they were going to kiss at the end of that scene i thought I'm that part good. of i thought that part of the drama would be that even if like immediately they were like that was a mistake like i don't that's not what i but you need like something right um it's like reeling like she's like has nothing yeah she's reeling and also like i'm not sure it totally works to have one character be like perfect you know Mm -hmm. so i think it would have been nice to have her like want something no Um, it's so good and and like we learn again it's like dude we learn more about harper like riley is like hey so like what's going on and like oh, abby's like yeah. oh, i don't know if i'm about you i just know you're her ex and riley's just like so that's all she said and she lays it on abby like a the terrible falling out that they had like right. that harper to save herself in her parents eyes like essentially outed riley well and, like riley here here's riley like a decade and a half later right being like it's all good it was high school and i'm gonna be a doctor it's fine <laughs> Yeah, I would say that what what she described sounded like a deeply traumatic experience at the hands of another person. Um, and something that apparent, like, it's also unclear if Harper ever apologized. Exactly. She apologizes to Riley later in the movie, which makes me think that over the last decade, she had not. Yes, thank you. Thank you, and girl. Like, like, oh, like, my why? God. I really bad for yes of course Riley but also like Abby because I'm just like she already feels bad yeah she's learning a lot of new things about her partner 
through the experience of meeting her family and watching her interact with her family. And she's getting a new experience with an ex. And it's like an absolute horrifying experience. And the way someone who, as we established is really nice. Yeah. And it's like, "Hmm, maybe Harper has the type like really nice women who will just take a lot of her shit. Maybe question mark. It's bad. man. Right. And I do think that the movie is really kind of in a very like hurt people, hurt people vibe where it's like, it's because of her own things. And and there's, she has that whole long monologue about how it has nothing to do with other people. It has to do with herself, which like, I'm like, okay, like I get that. But, um, that's that sounds very self-centered um self-loathing is also it's it's self-centeredness you know um and then like a lot of it is yeah and so like you can't treat people like that like even even if you're if it has nothing to do with like romance like i thought that it was just i again whiplash from this movie where you have aubrey plaza telling this horrifying story and then a second later she goes well but it was a long time ago and it kills me and like she heals herself by engaging abby in the drag show and like getting abby to like sing and like having fun together and like i'm right there with you i totally thought a kiss was gonna happen you know plaza came out with that move man she moved around to the other side of the booth they were sharing a booth exactly like i was like my girl plaza's going in boy and and it wasn't it didn't happen it happened Harper sent the text like, hey, you should come through. I'm also drinking at a place and and nothing happens. Like, you know, yeah. she's like, hey, I got to go. It's Harper. And Riley's like, yeah, bet. Do it. I'm going to stay here. This is a much cooler time. And this is also, again, where I'm like, be meaner, be messier, be funnier. I thought that they could have been be messier with it, you know? Yeah, and I, again, I, I, these women are adults. It's not like a. It's just not that big a deal. They'd figure it out, you know. Man, so I do, I do, I do have in my notes. I says, I, I said, wow, Abby leaves Riley and the coolest gay bar to go meet Harper at the stale straightest bar, and you could just tell the difference immediately, right? I mean, if you're watching this as like a a queer person, and I like we were feeling the scene, like I think. We were, I think uh, that might have been my favorite scene in the movie. I, I can't uh, speak for you, but like for me, I was like, I love this. Uh, one of my notes was like, I have a straight up like sigh. I was like, oh shit, I miss like sharing like drinks, like with friends, like in a place, you know, like yeah. especially during the holidays. Like it, it, hit, it hit home in a way. I was like, this is a good scene for me. And then, and then they crush it. They crush it by going to do shots at a straight bar. Yeah. I also want to say that, that I did find this movie deeply sad, but I do think that that was an element of partially like why it made me so sad because you can't even really be happy about the, the smallest. Fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the smallest one actual uh, fun moment. Um, so like Abby is still like participating in Harper's holiday. Right. So she goes, she goes with Harper's other shitty high school friends and ex-boyfriend from high school. Um, they force her to do shots, which she's clearly uncomfortable doing. She's like, I just want to have a beer. And the ex-boyfriend's like, no, you got to have a shot because you're here. And I'm like, what? So that happens. Abby's over it. Harper notices. And she's like, you're having your first time ever. And like, it's chill because I love you and I'm the nicest girlfriend ever. And so they're like, they both come to the conclusion, like, you should go home because you hate it. 
but I don't want to go home and I want to stay. And because like Abby's like, nice. She's like, we're in your home time. These are your friends. You're here. Do it. Just let me know when you get home. So Harper stays with her friends and ex. Abby stays up as late as she can before she's like, I'm passing out. It's after 1 a.m. Good night. Harper fully shuts down this bar. Like, they shut it down. They're, it's closing. It's closed. They walk out. And her boyfriend kind of calls her out, not intentionally. He's just like, hey, listen, before you walk away, like, was there ever somebody else? And Harper's, like, horrified. She feels like she's going to be outed or some shit. And he doesn't do that. He seems like a, a nice gentleman. He's another he, nice guy. Yeah, I don't know. He's like, yeah, he's like, the, he's like, you're 100% right. It was like, Harper's like, no, it was just long distance. It was hard. He's like, you're right. You're 100% right. Distance sucks. It's dumb. We should, breaking up was the right move, but it just like, it just also felt like that you weren't telling, you weren't honest with me, you know? And so it's like, and she looks like she's about to cry, you know? So then it's like, you feel bad for Harper because it's like, man, like not like, neither of them are having a good holiday like no one's having a good christmas here and so like we wake everyone wakes up the next morning abby's like holy shit my girlfriend got in after 2 a.m she goes to check in on her because like you know if you're shutting down a bar chances are you probably aren't feeling great the next day so abby knows this and she's like hey what's up checking up on you and harper's like full of anxiety right she's trying to like drink away her anxiety and she's like what i'm fine and they have like a, they have like a fight so a fight ensues yeah this is again where i'm like man if i would get it if they were 21 but i'm like Ugh, this feels like a pattern of behavior yeah dude and they like yeah. they're throwing like all these like little things at each other and well, i mean i'm also just like this sounds like a person who resents their girlfriend and i'm just like that seems like something that's different than what this movie is about so like oh, you're checking up on me i need a break like yeah. I, I need a break like in the middle of the holiday that i told you to come with me that now. i made you come yeah yeah, yeah, it was like a really weird moment. And like Abby is like starting to recognize it. The good part about this is that Abby's like fully recognizing it. And she's like, this sucks. She's just like, I got to get out of here. I'm dipping out. She's like, I can't believe you. She almost like lets it slip that she was going to propose to her. It's like a really sad moment. You know, like they're both hitting the wall, the wall that they didn't think they were going to hit. They're hitting it. And so like Abby, like straight up, like looks up a rideshare app. And she's like, I got to get out of here. And it says it's going to cost her like over $1,000 to get a ride. And I was like excited about that for a second because I was like, oh, like maybe this ride app will tell me where they are. Where they are. <laughs> yeah. It didn't tell me anything. Did not reveal a damn thing. Did not reveal a damn thing. And it just said that it was going to cost like $1,000. Her, her friend, John is dope, calls her back after they had had some conversation. And he was like, listen, I was really rude to you the other day because he did check up on her. He did check up on his friend. And he's like, listen, I was kind of judgmental and I'm trying to be a good friend now. So Abby lets loose and she's like, this is going terribly. I can't do this. I tried to look for a way out. It's going to cost me $1,000. I can't do that. What do you think I should do? Maybe I should just stick it out. We've only got a couple days left, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, after being like, I'm going to be a good friend. He's like, actually, I can't help you because that's way too heavy. And I got to think on it. So he actually hangs up so that he can try to marinate about it and maybe formulate a plan of his own for her. And she's just like left alone. Like Abby's just like left alone uh, again. And uh, this is all, like, coming up to this, like, Christmas party that they're supposed to have. Um, the dad and the mom 
always have, but they want to have it in like a different way now because the father is campaigning or he's trying to impress lucrative donors right i think so, he wants to be the mayor i think yes that's what it is. To, he wants to be the mayor but in order to do that he needs some like serious financial backing right and um they're having this fight and it leads up to the this christmas eve party that he the dad is like you know what we're gonna invite like important people here uh and that they're gonna see the type of family the family dynamic that we are and that is what is going to give me the money and that that's another thing too. The main the big donor is played by Anna Gasteyer, who is very funny, um, but does not get a single joke in this movie. So this this Christmas Eve party is like full on gonna suck. The two of them have this fight, and Abby's so nice that even though she fought with her girlfriend, she's like, I still gotta get a holiday gift. I have to get a white elephant. Get her white elephant. After she had a conversation with her best friend, cried about how it would cost her so much money to leave, and now she feels trapped, like, also financially. That's also messed up. Um, so she already felt trapped. She already had a conversation with her best friend. She somehow in her very nice, polite brain comes to the conclusion, I'm going to be here. I might as well still participate. I still need to get a white elephant gift. So she calls Riley again. Yep. They exchange digits. That's how yep. she numbers. Mm -hmm. He calls Riley and is like, hey, what's good? <laughs> and they go white elephant shopping. Harper starts to feel like an ass. And she's like, hey, I'm really sorry. I love you. Like, can we talk? They exchange texts. Harper happens to see as they're exchanging texts that, like, she's hanging out with Riley. So Harper starts to have, like, some weird... Vibes trying, I think they're trying to portray here in the movie that it's supposed to feel similarly as to how Abby was felt watching Harper hang out with her ex and all her friends. Not the same thing, <laughs> but whatever. We'll clearly, go with it. Go with it. Yeah. Clearly, we're just supposed to go with it in yeah. this holiday rom com. Uh, and she shows back up to the holiday party with a gift. All decked out. Kristen Stewart is dressed up in her Christmas Eve finest. Mm -hmm. And so is her GF, right? Kristen and Stewart looks is iconic in this scene. She she yeah. looks so good in this in this Christmas whole Christmas Eve party. Everyone is there. And like the Harper and Abby are both like looking at each other and they're like, Oh, like is are we gonna have the talk that we said that we were going to have? And of course they're not, because it is the Christmas Eve party like it's happening the one that her mother is like banking on the one that her poor mother has been trying to get an instagram feed photo of for days and days and days and of course they don't speak to each other and and harper's immediately pulled away by something with her family and abby's like of course i'm alone again except she's not she's not alone again she's with riley she actually has a friend she has a friend to hate this entire evening with and having a friend who hates the same things that you do is so important during a holiday, folks. Let me tell you, the other best scene in this movie outside of the gay bar scene between Kristen Stewart and Abby Praza is the scene where they're hanging out with each other and Abby is absolutely miserable to the highest degree. And Riley notices this 
skedaddles on over to her, scoots up, and like props herself right next to the very antique mini table that they're both leaning on and says, what are you drinking? And Abby's like, some type of spiced alcohol. And Riley's like, gross, let me have some. And I again was like, fuck, man, I miss sharing drinks with friends during the holiday. I even was like, I miss being miserable at a party, man. Like, even that, just like, give me the opportunity, you know? (laughs) That is what the movie brought out, not less comedy right. and things. I was like, man. Just the depths of sadness. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really making it's just really making me evaluate the whole year. So it, you it's- know what else Riley does in this at this party? Is so they they do that and then they're sitting in the chair, right? And they're having the conversation sitting in the chair. And then Riley gets up, she says, I'm gonna go get you a real drink. Yes. And I'm just like why is this perfect woman here and nobody <laughs> is going to do anything about it (laughs) dude like it's so it's so so nice and it's like abby's like finally being like well this is it like this is the person that i have to vent to about it my best friend is question mark miles away right only available on phone yes you are an ex of my current partner who has a you have a terrible history with, but you're also being very nice to me mm-hmm. and trying your best. Like I am also trying to be very nice and trying my best. And she vents to her, man. She's like, I, I can't believe this. It all comes out in this Christmas party. She tells it to Riley. She's like, I, I can't believe this. This whole thing has been a disaster. I don't, I look at Harper and I do not know who she is. Right. Like terrible. Like she's having, Abby is having all of the full on, realizations it's it's hitting her all in waves at this christmas eve party and yeah and riley's like i got you because she hit her. like abby hits her with the like dude i was i was gonna propose to this woman because like i thought i knew who she was and i was gonna like want to spend my life with her and that's it for riley riley's like ooh, yeah i'm gonna i know where the actual good liquor's at like i got you yeah it's um, rough. It's, it's a rough night and it only gets more terrible <laughs> it absolutely only gets more terrible because she's just abby's just uh done and she's looking for a way out and john who is very crafty has been tracking abby this entire time uh, yeah that's, her phone. that's also again looking for the jokes looking right for the jokes yeah exactly that's another ongoing joke in this gen x rom-com is that technology is funny and millennials and Gen Zers use it all the time. And you can even track people because if the government can do it, why can't I? So John is like keeping tabs on Abby and he follows her all the way to this terrible Christmas Eve party. And there's an interaction between he and his friend, Abby and Tim Caldwell, who like, is like, oh, are you Abby's boyfriend? Because Abby has had to lie this entire time. And that includes being not a gay woman and he's like yes i am abby's heterosexual ex-boyfriend and like again that's that's the joke like we're looking for the jokes and it's just like so now abby has a little like a like a true ally it's not just like a friend that she met in riley but also a friend that came out of his way to to come and do it and and harper finally he's like also had enough and there's like a moment there's a moment that the two of them have 
because now that John is there, Abby's like, yes, like you're my freedom. Like you're my way out. I'm done. Riley helped me realize that I am done. I'm ready to leave. You're my out. So she goes to like try to pack her shit and Harper finds her and like a moment happens. Yeah. Um, was, briefly, I do want to say one of the things that I actually, in terms of things about this movie that I thought were, were was not contrived, um, was the idea, and, and we see this in the post-credits too, um, the idea of the Dan Levy character not having anywhere necessarily to be for Christmas. Yep. And I thought that that, you know, because people complain sometimes, right, about how sometimes the best friend character um, which is frequently a gay man in in romantic comedies, um, just kind of lives, exists to support the main story. But I thought that the way that all of that kind of happened, you just trust it a little bit more in a movie like this one. And I thought that it was like, it wasn't spoken on, right? It wasn't like something that was discussed, but the idea that he might be looking for someplace to be consistently for Christmas, I was like, yeah, like I think that that I I, I get. And I think that that was something that the movie did did well i thought without making it like a big deal you know yeah i i would agree with that i mean it ended up (laughs) but that i mean also within that though like layers of that also like makes me sad because there's like truth there's like truth within that yeah like some some people are really are just looking for a place to be this is the saddest comedy i've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) dude it was so sad guys it got sad sorry sorry if you came here looking for like a riveting yeah i was like it doesn't have to be this sad not make us feel super great because the movie so much of this movie was was sad and like like harper like catches abby trying to pack her bag and get the hell out like she was gonna leave discreetly man like that was not going to cause pain but Harper's like, no, like, I love you. And like, I'm not hiding you. I'm hiding myself. Right. So she hits her with that. So like Harper starts hitting you with like all of her baggage. And it's supposed to, again, it's supposed to make you understand the viewer and relate and be like, oh man, that must be so hard for Harper. I can relate to somebody struggling but no it just makes you feel bad (laughs) like harper's just like telling you all this bad stuff it just sucks it's like one of those things where where even if you understand it it still just kind of sucks and so that's like and that maybe happens like throughout the movie where you're just like man like i get it i think but it doesn't make it better really just to understand it and this is again another thing where i'm like i think i could understand this coming out of a 21 or a 22 year old's mouth but that woman is grown and they're so grown man yeah that's what makes the 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 sister dynamic part of it like hard for me like the sibling dynamic i don't have sisters i i only have a brother so like watching this unfold was difficult for me because even in not having a biological sister i have very sisterly women in my life like women in which i can point to and say sisterhood and being of age like i just don't i just i'm like how so they share this moment there's like a moment of like abby unleashes all her stuff harper unleashes all her stuff and they share like a very like close embrace like it's not even like a kiss it's just like closeness and the big sister is like watching it and is like oh and you're just like i'm confused i'm like 
what? And Harper is like immediately like repelled and like appalled. She's like, oh my God, Sloan, don't do it. Don't do it, bitch. And Sloan's like, what do you mean? Don't do what? Go and run and tell everybody that you've been like in a romantic relationship with Abby for who knows how long. And I'm like horrified. I'm like, why would any sibling do that? Like, that's terrible, man. Right. And I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Where it's Again, it's just it's it's uh, it's sad in a way, and then that's also again where now the movie's being funny. We're being funny again. They're fighting. They're mm-hmm. wrestling, and it's funny. And you're like, is I don't know if it I is. I don't know if that's funny. It's and, like a real fa- I'm, like you're witnessing a real family fight. Yeah, and I and I but think like, also- the two sisters are, are fighting, and then it's like they they expose the husband of Sloan, and it's like gross. Yeah, and more layers quickly get added within these two and a half minutes. Right. And Sloan outs her sister, which is terrible. Yeah. Terrible and horrifying. And Harper denies it. She's like, I'm not a lesbian. Like, what are you talking about? And it's like really gross. And Abby feels gross and she's like crying and they leave. Like, it's bad. It's just not good. Yeah. So, my main issue with this whole scene is well, I mean, like you said, what happens is really sad. They wreck Jane's painting, which mm. is really nice. That's supposed to be funny. Uh, uh, and 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 the other and so the thing that just like broke my brain about this is is this happens right and and Harper has the same visceral negative reaction, the same one that Riley said that she had ten years prior or whatever. Um, and she, and I think that the thing for me that like, and this is again, like wanting to be empathetic to the thing that this character is going through. Cause you do. Um, but it made you just think that everything she had said to Kristen Stewart was a lie. Like she was just lying to her because she wasn't ready to tell anybody. And I know that like, that was a situation she was forced into, but that kind of knee jerk multiple over and over and over again, like denial while her girlfriend is standing like right there was hard for me to deal with and then there is this moment at the at the end where at the end of the scene where this all happens Allison Brie says she's gay she denies it in front of everybody and that's where the party ends yep and then at the end of it uh, a tall Canadian Harper says, "I did it." Yes, to, to Abby, she says, "I did it." Yeah, and I was just like, "No, you didn't." Like, I I'm not saying that. Like, I I think that that should have happened to her because obviously it shouldn't have. But in yeah. the terms of their relationship, substituting that for for coming out to her family is not the same thing she it was it was a it was a hard and like difficult moment to watch because i think watching even just like the acting in that moment and trying to like portray that message because abby was like still done like she had made the decision with her friend because dan levy aka her best friend john tries to like give some perspective and he's like listen like you came out to your parents and what happened? And she was like, they were amazing. 
and they loved me and they said it didn't matter and then they died and then john dan levy's like that's awesome because my father disowned me and didn't speak to me for 13 years and like his advice is that like everybody's story is different and like that's true you know but even within that advice or his storytelling abby is still like you know what i get it and i respect it but i still want to make a choice for me and i am i just don't want to be with this person i want to be with somebody who's ready and like the whole concept of like harper being like but i did it is is a little is not just a little it it is heartbreaking because you can sense that like she's losing everything like in telling her parents her truth and saying that she's a gay woman that she's losing something from her parents whether it's like a sense of security or or love or acceptance and kind of angling that and being like but i did like you should still want me because i did it and abby's just like uh i've been done for at least four days right sorry that this is just making it worse for you because you decided to come out um so like they leave like like abby and and john leave and harper is left to sort of pick up the pieces with her family um that's very sad sister sloan is like I'm really shitty of a sister and I'm also getting a divorce. That was terrible for me to have done. Jane, the star of our movie is like, screw you guys. I don't have any secrets to tell, but I'm an ally (laughs) and I'm going to stand up with my sister. Um, So it's like a really hard moment. Um, I did appreciate the realness of that. I'm not going to lie. The mother was like the bridge. Um, She was like the one to like still be a mom to her daughters um she also had to be a wife to her husband and was like this is too much like the dad did not want to come down initially right away for the remainder of their christmas eve it, again man it the the movie in its ending does not feel good like it yeah. gets a little bit worse it actually gets a little bit worse before it finally does get quote-unquote good um she continues to have like reconciliations with people who are present maybe not necessarily her dad right away but the mom, the older sister, the younger sister, who's an ally. Um, and then she ends up, they have a reconciliation. Um, but it's weird because again, we're looking for the, we're looking for the jokes. And the joke is that all of that tracking and all of that uh, Gen Z millennial technology that we were joking about, Harper uses it. And she uses it to track down uh, Abby at a gas station and, like, pleads with her, pleads with her, like, please give me another chance. Well, she basically says the same thing that she said in the bedroom scene prior. Um, Yeah. 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 No, I mean... I, I think it, I think it's fine. I really do think it's fine in the context of the movie to have the joke be, he helped me track you. I think it's fine. It's really okay. But like it, one continuity. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they talk and yeah, then they stay together. They stay together. They have Christmas morning together. Yeah. Um, and then everything's okay. The next yeah, day. You know why it's okay? 
because the dad comes downstairs. And also because of the magic of Christmas. So the magic of Christmas powered with yeah. heterosexual cis male patriarchy. Yes. Coming down the stairs and saying peace. He's like, listen, the whole reason why I've spent all of our money on trying to be a political is because I want you to be proud of me. And everyone's like, that's stupid. We're already proud of you, dummy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it, it ends like with acceptance, right? That's how it ends. It ends with acceptance. Abby is like in the home spending a Christmas with her partner that she originally wanted to do. John, the best friend also stood the night and like they all had a Christmas morning together and the mother finally gets her Instagram Christmas photo for the feed. And uh, Abby gets to be included in that photo. And then we have the very first line of the Tegan and Sarah song to outro us into the credits. Okay. I said at the beginning of this conversation about how sometimes people make things that I don't relate to or understand. The first line of this song is somebody broke your heart under a Christmas tree. Yep. And I was like, am I a joke to you? <laughs> what does that mean? You can't just say words and be like, it's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think under that, a Christmas tree. Oh man. I think I think that my initial like What is this? This one scene from Grey's Anatomy where they're like underneath the tree looking I, up? I think, like what? Oh my god. I think like the Tegan and Sarah came on and I think my reaction to it was like, oh, it's Tegan and Sarah. If you weren't sure before, this was definitely a lesbian movie. Right. They just signed off on it. Um, I felt bad for about 90 minutes of this movie. It's a hundred. It's an hour, four minutes long. So uh, I also will say, I will just bring it back to like what we initially were talking about because we're, we're done talking about the movie now and, and spoiling it for everybody. Um, First of all, I want to say, Sandra, you did an amazing job of going through that whole movie. I just want to say, I was thinking as I was listening to you do it, I was like, man, she can talk through 90 minutes of a soccer game and she can talk through 90 minutes of a movie. She can do it all, everybody. I'm going to recap it for y'all. Um, I just want to say that like, I think Claire and I are on the camp and of the opinion that this was not a funny movie. Uh, and it, there are large parts of it did not make us feel great. Um, but I also want to say that I am glad a movie like this exists. I will always be glad that a movie like this got made. Um, I want to see more Money, I want to see happiest season money put into New York Christmas wedding projects. Yeah, that's what I that's what I want. Yeah. And I do think I do think like you said, like we've talked about a little bit. I do think part of the reason this movie felt so sad was just because of this year and 
how it's made all of us feel because there were parts of this movie that were lovely, like really lovely. Like part of the reason that we felt so strongly about all of it is because there were some really just wonderful moments and, and just like portrayals of nice people yeah, being nice. People being excited about the holiday. Yeah. Like, that's nice. Um, yeah. It made me miss, it made me miss those things. Like I, yeah. I, Talked about how much I missed. I I miss that. We, you and I hopped on this call, and then one of the first things out of my, I was like, dude, this is what our holiday. This is our Christmasing. Our Christmasing yeah. is gonna be this, like talking to each other, having a beverage, and um, talking about a Christmas movie. Um, there are things that we are maybe used to doing uh, during around this time of year that we don't get to do because of the world that we're living in in this year. Um, and potentially in the future. So it's, uh, it was a lot. So yeah, like the weight of that hits you when you're watching a movie like this. Um, I do want to commend, again, uh, the creators for wanting to create a world and a space um, for queer people in, in the holiday movie market. Um, this is coming off of like, a very interesting couple weeks um, for me in the lens in which I was viewing this as like a Latinx, like a queer Latinx content creator. And there was something in, 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 in Latinx Twitter, we've been like going through some, some things when it comes to, to content and, and media and stuff like that. And, and very recently, um, like one day at a time got canceled again. Right. So there was like a lot of stuff around that. And I really appreciate the creators just being saying, no, we're done. They did not want to make like an attempt to reshop that or anything. And I only bring that up because there's always like that, that concept of uh, failure when it comes to people who represent uh, non-white and marginalized communities when they're creating their media or when they're creating their content. And when it comes to the concept of having to pitch it or sell it, they're always met with the concept of failure. And that's a struggle. That's a struggle for me um, as someone who lives within that space. And while I could sit here on a podcast with my very dear friend and like have our laughs and talk about it and speak honestly and, and, and feel a certain way about this type of movie because it made us feel a certain type of way. At the end of the day, of course, I will have tried to watch this movie to give it a hit, to give it a stream, to give it a number, um, to ensure the possibility that more stories like this are told and my hope is that it's told with financial backing for different perspectives. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that it has found um, success within the community. Yeah. Um, right. So this movie was wildly successful, um, according to Hulu's metrics. Um, and another, another show that I want to mention here that also quietly ended this year um, after its third season is a show called Vita yep. on stars. Yep. Um, that show's amazing. Yep. Um, that is another queer Latinx uh, a show. It's, it's so good. It's so hard to find because stars shows are not easy to find online. That's just how they do business. Um, 
it aired throughout 2020. I didn't see a lot about it. Um, that's another show that like, again, it's, and, and I do think that the creator of that show is, is developing something new, which is very exciting. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, as you said, it's, um, it's interesting, you know, what gets, what gets to be zeitgeisty and like, what doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's always, I've noticed that that's like a struggle for me recently. Um, whenever like I watch these type of things, because I, I want to like view them in a lens in which I can have these moments. Like when I can hop on a, a pod and, and chat with my friend about it and be like, Hey man, this like gay Christmas rom-com came out and parts of it didn't make me feel super great but in the bigger picture of things like I can appreciate it um and just sort of keep that stuff real like I want there to be I always want there to be support for these type of projects while there's still being space to just kind of talk about them openly so um if you've seen Happiest Season let us know how you felt about it um if you loved it that's awesome if one of new favorite Christmas movies, I'm very, very happy for you. I hope it brings you comfort for many years. Um, if you felt the same way, hey, what's up? Join the club. Um, you know, let us know how you felt about it. Uh, we appreciate you all for hanging out with us and uh, chatting with us. Uh, this was a long one tonight, but, um, you know, it's Christmas. And I uh, wanted to share the time with, with, my, with my friend and wanted to share the time by extension with with the uh the great community that we've been building here um so we appreciate you all if you enjoy the content that you hear whether it's chicago red stars related or holiday related um please continue your support by uh linking up at the patron so you can find us at the uh, side trap on patron uh, find a tier that works for you um if you're unable to do that we understand that uh, 2020 has been difficult uh, for everybody in all kinds of ways, including financially. Uh, so if a tier doesn't work for you, just know that you can still continue your support of Southside Trap Podcast by following us on all social media channels. And you can do that on Twitter or Instagram at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. Uh, find us on all streaming services uh, like Anchor, Spotify, and iTunes. Uh, give us a like, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. That stuff helps us out tremendously whenever we're trying to give you Chicago Red Stars content. Uh, everybody enjoy your holiday. We will try to be back to squeeze another Chicago Red Stars episode in with everyone. Yeah. We do have to recap us a year. Yeah. We might invite some friends to do that. We will talk about it and then get back to you all. So in the meantime... Um, please continue to make smart choices, the perhaps correct choices like wearing your mask and washing your face and washing your hands. Uh, continue your support for Black Players and Black Life, and uh, we will be back with you all as soon as we can. <laughs>